Enjoy the convenience of seven days a week banking and extended hours with Cube from First Arkansas Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Josh Neighbors covering all things the Big 12. And Josh, really appreciate you joining us this afternoon, man. How you doing? I'm fired up now that the Big 12 is open for business like a lemonade stand, so I'm, I'm very excited. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we'll see how many uh, how many uh, people come to that lemonade stand and decide to work out a partnership. But I-, I want your thoughts of hearing that from the new commissioner of the Big 12. What exactly? How, how exactly did you take that? Did you take it as, hey, any and all can come forward? Is it more just him trying to make a splash as soon as he gets the job? I mean, what do you make of those comments being made by him? Yeah, I think his goal today was to speak in a lot of generalities just because he hasn't technically started yet. And you can tell the one focus for him from, you know, that perspective is, is really like what, what they've tasked him with really is the is the expansion thing. I mean, that's the one thing he's had to learn from on the fly. And uh, I don't think it's just about adding teams. I mean, obviously, an immediate as we think about, but I do think there is an element of uh, a business side of trying to figure out, you know, he, he really did touch on something interesting, the incremental revenue streams. I think a lot of times we kind of just think about, all right, sell off the grant of rights, sell off your TV rights, and then, you know, that's the money's the money, and not trying to find the other ways in which you can, you know, make some income for your schools. So I think he's really interested in exploring that uh, kind of element of things. But I, I think, yeah, I, I think he's, like, kind of the right guy at the moment because the Big 12, it's, its biggest problem is not, like, dealing with going away. It's how do you still stay in the conversation and make yourself as relevant as possible. And so exploration of different ways to make money, I think, is kind of the gist of what I got from him. Is this something that the coaches are all in favor of? Uh, how have the coaches responded to this as far as adding more teams? Yeah, I mean, I think they, they kind of get it. Like, uh, you hear Mike Gummy talk about it. He understands it. Y'all heard, you know, he mentioned Nick Saban before. He gets it. I'm not really sure how, you know, the Big 12 coaches, some of them are speaking today, so – uh, we don't, we'll see what those guys say about this, but I'm sure you're going to hear a whole lot of excited, ready to go, and, and they they get it. I mean, um, you know, I think a lot of them are just kind of worried about you know taking care of things in their own shop and and, and you know just playing whoever is on the schedule in, in, in kind of that way. But I think you know at the end of the year, like when it comes to you know who's staying, who's going in terms of coaches, I'm sure it definitely plays in their mind. I mean. I think that, you know, it sounds like Lincoln Riley uh, had some thoughts about maybe joining the SEC. You know, he left the Big 12 to go to the Pac-12 to join the Big 10 to all avoid the SEC. So, I mean, I think they think about it. It just depends on when, what time of year. But I think these guys are pretty dialed in right now to their football teams to get ready for the push. So, they'll probably just say, yep, sounds great, can't wait. And they'll kind of deal with it when it, you know, that, that time comes to them. Josh, is it kind of awkward with like Texas and Oklahoma being in these media days and all those things where it's like everyone knows they're not going to be a part of the future? Isn't it kind of like one of those awkward things where they're there, but they're not really there, kind of one foot in, one foot out? No, it was more awkward last year. Now it's not anymore. I mean, it's, it's you know, it's not awkward at all because we, we know that this is like, you know, coming for a whole entire year now, right? So, um, you know, it's, it's part of the college football landscape. I mean, I think you see, you know, it's not like OU and Texas are the only two teams jumping. You see USC and, and UCLA jump to go play in a league. I mean, at least OU and Texas are in states that, like, border and, and you know, touch the other SEC school states. I mean, USC and UCLA have signed up to go play Rutgers in Maryland. So that's a bit more of a, hey, th- this doesn't make any sense geographically. It's all about the, mo- it's all about the money. 
the SEC one, like it, it, it's not like it doesn't make sense geographically at all. So it hurt at the time. It does suck. But I think we're so far past it. And even, you know, Brett Yormark was asked about it today. He said, look, we'll, we'll have that conversation eventually. But that's not at the forefront of his mind. I, I think that conversation is probably going to happen back channels behind closed doors. You know, we'll, we'll kind of work towards things. And then I, I think especially once, maybe even December, you can hear something about it or January. But, hey, this, this is the last year. Maybe it happens during the season, but I think it's one of those things where, you know, they're going to negotiate out with those two teams just so the SEC can probably get their 16 before uh, or while USC and UCLA make the 16 in the Big Ten. Um, so I, I think, yeah, I think it's not awkward anymore. It's just a matter of when now they're going to leave. You recently had a discussion on biggest question, question facing each team in the Big 12. So those two teams specifically, what's the biggest question facing Texas and OU? Texas, the big question is they're, they've got two of them, really. I think it's like how good is how good can their defense be because it was a nightmare last year, and how good is Quinn Ewers because it, they can have a pretty average quarterback and this offense would hum pretty well considering how good they are at running back, how good they are at wide receiver, offensive line. There's some questions, but good at tight end. I mean, you know, we hear a lot of you know a lot of great things about the uber talented player quarterback, but really, how good is he? Hasn't played in the college games, so we'll see. But, you know, are the signs going to be there just to be a guy who can progress and get along? I mean, I don't expect him to light it up immediately, especially with Alabama early on in the season. But can this be a guy who shows flashes, shows signs, progresses, and, you know, can it be a finished product in November? And for Oklahoma, like, is Brent Venables, the coach, as good as it has sounded, right? I mean, you lose a coach in the dead of night. You lose a lot of talent on defense. You lose two quarterbacks who are pretty highly thought of. And you replace them with, you know, the best coordinator in college football, to be honest, and then you bring in you bring in one of the best coordinators in college football, and Jeff Levy, and I know Arkansas fans are familiar with him during his time at, uh, at Ole Miss, obviously. So you bring a guy in like that, you bring a quarterback in like Dylan Gabriel. Can they coach up the defensive side of the ball? Lost a lot. Can they tackle better? Stuff like that. Like you know, can he kind of instill the things that were missing from a Lincoln Riley regime, and then offensively find somebody else to to bring as much as possible that Lincoln Riley, you know, brought to the table to keep that attractive. So, yeah, I mean, does it sounds great. It all sounds good. OU fans are excited. And their, their schedule is pretty easy, in my opinion, relatively speaking. So uh, I think it should be fired up. But does it look as good in practice as, as it sounded and all cracked up to be? And mentioning Quinn Ewers, what do you make of his situation, leaving Ohio State and getting the big NIL deal there, going to Texas now? Has he already been named the starter? What do you make of his situation overall? You don't bring a kid like that into sin. I mean, you know, maybe he does. Maybe he's in a complete, you know what, in the locker room. I mean, that's not what we're hearing at all. But, like, he'd have to do something pretty drastic to knock himself out of a QB competition or not to get the job. It's just you have to give somebody with that much talent the opportunity. I really think that that's what they have to do. And it's not like Hudson Card hasn't had a chance. We saw it last year. It just wasn't good enough. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think he's going to be the guy for sure. And what he looks like, I mean, we've seen it in glimpses and flashes, but – Obviously, not playing a whole lot of big time minutes yet. I mean, we have to see it, in, you know, on the field at this point. But I think there's a lot of reason for optimism around that offense. I mean, if he's 65, 70 percent of what we think he could be, it's going to be good enough to make this this offense one of the best in the country because of how loaded they are at all the other positions. Now, Joshua, I know that you have a new commissioner there in the Big 12. But let's say you were the commissioner of the Big 12. You know what teams are in there now, and you know the kind of uncertainty that's in college football. 
Are there particular teams that you would like to see join the Big 12 to be a part of the conference, to be a part of the future at this point in time? Is there specific ones you think that they should try to make it make it work with them? Well, guys, you know, there's the thing about the original reports that we saw. If you take Utah, Arizona's, the Arizona schools, and um, and then you also take Colorado, you you functionally crush the Pac-12. You cannot have a 16 league and add whoever else is out there and, and call that a league. Even with Washington and Oregon anchoring it down, that's not a league. If you take Oregon and Washington from the Pac-12, that also functionally crushes the league. And look, I, I'm not, you know, I've been a big proponent of there are people who work at these schools. There are people who work in these athletic departments and there are fans of these schools. Like, we were going to this last year in the Big 12. It sucks. But if this game is about making money and we don't care who gets hurt, I'm, I mean, I'm trying to crush the Pac-12. They are right now a Jenga, you know, they're a Jenga tower. And if you pull one or two more blocks, it's going to tumble. There's no way it could sustain itself if you were to poach two of those big brands. So I would offer Oregon and Washington uh, maybe the opportunity to be a part of your media package for like two or three years and then reassess. And so that way, you know, hey, you might lose them eventually, sure. But it sounds like the Big Ten's going to kind of hold off for a minute on trying to add more teams and wait for Notre Dame. So I'm thinking, hey, let's try to get Washington, Oregon, even if it's temporary. Let's try to, you know, if we take the four uh, schools I just mentioned, Utah, the four corner schools, as we call them, um, if you take those four schools, you leave a 16 league that basically crushes it, maybe Oregon and Washington come to you at that point saying, all right, we got nowhere else to go. We'll play with y'all for a little while or however long, you know, you have to keep them for. So I'm, I hate to say it like this, but I'm targeting the Pac-12. I'm going after it. I'm trying to kind of uh, lay those crushing blows that might topple the conference because there's not as many good teams out there to add as there were when the Big 12 got Cincy, Houston, uh, you know, and uh, UCF and, and BYU. What's the latest you're hearing about those six teams from the Pac-12 making their way to the Big 12? Because there's a thought that the 10 remaining teams in the Pac-12 want to remain united and possibly add there also. That sounds great, but, but if, if Oregon and Washington are looking around, looking for a way out, and I guarantee you Phil Knight has been on the phone for this because everything that we've heard is, look, they want to win a title. Oregon wants, you know, they're, they're done building. It's time to win now. And Washington is also a great, really good academic school in the Seattle market. Like, I'm, if I'm those two schools, I mean, sure, you wouldn't prefer to go to the Big 12, but it kind of it, it makes a bit more sense. So it's on hold right now. They're trying to find options. Everybody's putting out statements about being on the same page. But we all know how that goes. We all know the, there's only honesty to a certain point. You have to look out for yourself and your institution. So I, I think with that, you know, I'm, I'm still making the calls on Brett Yormark. I'm on the phone every day saying, hey, hey, we're here. We're here. We're ready. We're here. You know, wh- what are you guys hearing? You know, hey, here's what I'm hearing. Because he said he's talking to ESPN and Fox. And, look, I'm not sure how you know, legal all this stuff is. But, hey, I can do better than that. I can do better than what y'all are hearing from these TV partners. I know you guys want to be on you know, linear cable. We've got the hookups. we got the connections. So I'm on the phone. I'm working it. And I think right now they're trying to find a solution. But let's be honest. How many viable solutions are there in terms of teams you could add to keep a Pac-12 afloat, especially if somebody calls Utah, or excuse me, calls uh, Oregon and Washington and says, come on over for a lot more cash? You know, Josh, one of the things that I, I felt like when we saw last conference expansion, at least in a major way, like when A&M and Missouri left the Big 12 to come to the SEC, the question was, okay, what about A&M and Texas? Are they going to still play each other? Well, obviously they haven't. 
Missouri and Kansas, I think in basketball more than anything, and I think that they have played once, but it wasn't something that either team or at least one of the teams didn't make a, a point to do because it didn't happen. But when Texas and Oklahoma leave, they got a lot of rivalries. They got a lot of teams there uh, in the Big 12 and other places too. Do you see Oklahoma continuing to play Oklahoma State or Texas continuing to play other teams in Texas? Do you think some of those rivalries maybe stay true? No, um, I don't. I don't think. Well, I mean, think about it like this way: like OU, Oklahoma State really did want to go with. Obviously, who would want to go to the SEC? And I think you think about Oklahoma State as a program, man. That's a proud, strong program. Mike Gundy is what he's built in Stillwater is one of the true outliers in college sports. Not one of those top tier programs, but one that's so consistent and wins in a place like Stillwater, not in a conference like the SEC. So. You know, to be able to do that, it's, it's almost like a Oklahoma version of Wisconsin, right? And that's kind of what they built there is just so impressive. And they didn't get the invite, so why would you allow Oklahoma to have their cake and eat it too? Why would you give them the, the ability to play the bedlam rivalry every single year and leave you at the altar? So um, the Texas rivalry, I, I think everybody's going to try to get their licks in on Texas before they leave. So this year I think, you know, uh, you're going to see the kitchen sinks owned by Baylor and Texas Tech and TCU, and some of them caught them last year. Um, I don't think they're going to extend, though. That's the one sad thing about this, is that we're going to lose a bunch of rivalries. Now, I will say, if you add Utah, bring that holy war in the conference, baby. I'm all for it. But, yeah, I, we're going to lose a lot of rivalries. That's kind of the bottom – that's one of the bottom lines here. And I, I'm a Mizzou grad, so you're spot on. I mean – it, 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 you know, it's tough not, not having Mizzou and Kansas play every single year in football and basketball. They should be doing it. But it might happen down the road, much like MU and KU do. There just needs to be kind of a calming down at this point before it's amenable again, I feel like. Two teams that are speaking today and playing the Big 12 championship game last year, Baylor, Oklahoma State. How good can they be this year? So Baylor was picked preseason number one, but if you check at the sports book, Various sports books will have it differently. Uh, I think I checked Caesars yesterday, and it was um, the fourth best odds for Baylor, which is really interesting. So my big question for them is, okay, you've got a good offensive line. You've got a good defensive line. The game is about blocking and tackling. But you are admitting when you pick Blake Shapen over Gary Bohannon, the quarterback, that something has to change from last year to this year. You, you, you're basically saying, okay, that was great. It was a great run. But our offense has to do more. Our offense has to be more. And you lose Abram, Abram Smith uh, at running back. And you lose some top wide, you know, your top passing targets. And you lose your two best defensive players. So they could be really good, but their schedule is pretty tough. Can they run it back and do it again? I'm sure they can be a really good team, but it's okay if there's a learning curve for a quarterback who's only played and, you know, started in one game. It's okay if that happens. Uh, and, and so I think Baylor might have a small drop-off but I think 2023, they could be really awesome with Blake Shape, and I'm just not, not sure it's going to be as good as last year. And Oklahoma State, infrastructure is so good there, but Spencer Sanders on offense, he needs to get better, more consistent as a passer. He's got him in him, we, we, and we, you know, we saw it in the Notre Dame game. And then on defense, they lose so much. They lose Jim Knowles. They do have the anchors in the defensive line and uh, on both ends for them in Lacey and Oliver, or excuse me, Lacey and uh, Brock Martin. But uh, can they... You know, what can they do uh, in the back part of that defense? they got a lot of replace. Malcolm Rodriguez, Colby Harville, Peel, cornerback as well, too. Christian Holmes are replacing. So, uh, Derek Mason's a really good hire. That, that Auburn defense last year was awesome. 
I just had a lot of questions about, you know, how what what's the limit? I mean, I think it could be an eight win team, but I feel like stretching the nine to ten, that, that's probably not going to happen for them this year. Now we know the college football playoff only has four teams, and the SEC is all but guaranteed one, maybe even two. We know the Big Ten's probably going to get one. ACC, depending on what Clemson does, maybe they get one. I don't think the Pac-12 is getting one. So is there going to be a team from the Big 12 that gets into the college football playoff this year? And if so, who's it going to be? Unfortunately, I don't think so. because Just because the league is in such an odd transition year, think about all of these places that are you know having like so much change. Um, and so nobody – like. You know, talk about Iowa State last year. They felt like a, a contender. We, we talk about I mean, Baylor and, and Oklahoma State were really close last year to making it happen and didn't. So, you know, I think probably not this year and how exclusive it is. And, and also think about it, too. You know, we saw it last year. This situation can play in the SEC where if one team doesn't need that championship game and the other team is really talented and very desperate, like, it can, you know, it can go sideways. Uh, now, there's times where it hasn't. But it can go sideways, and so I think it's a bit easier for the SEC to get to when one team doesn't always necessarily need it as badly and one team you know, has to get that dub and has got that, that amount of talent. So there was a conversation we had about Oklahoma State last year if they win that game against Baylor. Baylor, if they didn't blow that game against TCU, is probably going to be in the conversation. I'm glad Cincinnati made it, though. So I would say this year, if there's a team that's going to make it, OU because of their schedule. But I don't think they're good, at, I don't think they're good enough as a team to get there. I don't think their defense is good enough. Uh, on offense, I've got some serious questions. Let's see how good the offensive line is. So, OU because of the schedule, if they went, would go 12 and 1, but that's, that's 12 and 1 is going to be hard to pull off. Last one before I let you get out of here. I know obviously you're a big, big 12 guy. So, what what's your thoughts on Baker Mayfield? We were talking about him and the situation he finds himself in. What do you make of his situation going from Cleveland, now in Carolina, and possibly being a backup for the Panthers this year? Yeah, it's, you know, he, for, for whatever you want to say about Baker Mayfield, you know, he's, he's had some clown moments in the past. Um, I, I, the Deshaun Watson stuff, just, I mean, it can't sit well with him to have that kind of guy be brought in and basically say, we're, we're done with you. You know, we'll, we'll bring in the guy who's got, like, you know, multiple credible allegations of sexual misconduct against him because we're so over having you as a quarterback and then have to sit there and wait and make it feel like nobody wants you. Um, you know, that's, I mean, I'd be upset too. I think for him, just the best he can do is go out there and prove it. Carolina's in such a weird situation because Matt Rule, obviously, they need to figure that thing out. And, you know, it's last year to do it. And it uh, didn't really work out with Sam Darnold. We'll see, you know, we'll see what happens there at quarterback. But I think he's got ability. I think he's, you know, he is a different kind of player. We're just going to have to see this year. Can he kind of turn in that negative? Can he turn that negative energy? into positivity as he goes forward this year. That's kind of my question. But I like him as a player. I've always found him to be an entertaining guy. You know, not, not my favorite quarterback in the world. But, um, yeah, it's going to – NFL, man, I mean, even this time of year, we still have really interesting questions like that. Well, Josh, really appreciate you joining us, man. Great stuff. Doing a great job covering all things Big 12. I know it's an exciting time in that conference. But enjoy the rest of the offseason, man. We'll be catching up with you later down the road. Yep, y'all have a good one.